gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. We're excited to be with you as always. Here we go. We got lots to talk about. Some of the latest news in mixed martial arts, as well as, you know, a quick preview of the UFC on ESPN card that's coming up on Saturday with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Kevin Holland, the trailblazer, mixing it up in the main event. So we also have an interview for you. Aspen Ladd will join us just coming off fresh from her debut at PFL, her successful debut, I should say, where she defeated Julia Budd on that pay-per-view card that they just had. PFL 10 finals championships. I have to even pause after I say PFL 10 because there's like this colon. I don't know why it bugs me so much, goes, but anyway, before we get started, I do want to say, goes and I would like to dedicate this show to our friend Kella from Hawaii, Kella and his family, uh, special guy in our life, good friend of the show, and uh, just wanted to tell him we're thinking about him. He sent me a really, really nice message uh, on Thanksgiving, and I and I uh, and uh, he always does that, and he's he's a good, good pal of ours that we've known for a long time. So this one's for you, Kella. goes where do you want to start man like seriously we can talk about the card or we can <laughs> we can get into you know i'm telling you dude i've been getting attacked so much on this whole jake paul and ads thing of course mcgregor and artem that's pretty interesting as well uh i'll let you decide man we'll just bring it bring something up and let's go i guess we should just start there and maybe we can end on the card although the card surprisingly enough if you look up and down it it's good it it's not bad right right but yeah uh, i mean you know me i love the drama let's, let's do the drama so artem and connor sure artem lobov his i guess we'll say former teammate and former friend is claiming that he had he was part of the inspiration for proper 12 whiskey He's seeking 5% of what Conor McGregor made when he sold proper whiskey, proper 12, sorry, why did I say proper 10, proper 12 whiskey. Uh, he made six $600 million. He wants 5% of that, which would be $30 million. He said he actually had a real big hand in it, and he's fighting for his cut, I guess. He's actually gone the way of a lawsuit. Now, this is bugging Connie Mack because he says the lawyers are blowing him up. And, you know, like he's, it's taking up time. You know, Connor would rather be flexing, you know, at his bar or something, taking pictures, I don't know, on a yacht. But it sounds like this has him tied up. And, you know, I don't remember Artem going public with it, goes. It's really Connor that's doing it. So, uh, you know, if, if Artem's right, 
then they have to pay him like seriously. And if he wasn't, then I guess I see Connor's side of someone trying to be a rat. Although I think his overuse of the word rat is, is, um, I don't know. It's getting on my nerves. Like that's kind of not a rat really, but a rat would be if Connor were to, if Arden were to say, well, let me tell you some stuff about it. I've seen Connor do, you know, that he shouldn't be doing that to me is a rat, but uh, some guy that's seeking what might be his. I don't know. Cause I don't know what's, what's what, but um, what'd you think? I'm a little confused because to get as far as a lawsuit, you gotta have some proof, right? Something. And an educated person, a lawyer, is going to look at it and say, hey, we might have something here, right? And then that's how it moves on. But then I think, okay, what did what did you say he would get? Like $30 million? Is that what it was? He said he wants 5% of the $600 million that Connor made when he sold it to some mm-hmm. group, some sports group. I forget what they're called. So 10% would be $60 million. 5% would be $30 million. He wants 5% of that. So the six hundred million. What could maybe happen is maybe he's just sitting there, and maybe the lawyer says, "Look, man, your case is kind of dumb, but at the same time, I don't think he wants to deal with it. I don't think he wants to pay lawyers to do it. Maybe of that thirty million, he might just tell you, here's two million or five million. Leave me the fuck alone. Here mm-hmm. you go, right? Maybe that's the conversation that ha- that happens behind closed doors." And Artem thinks, all right, I'm not going to win the lawsuit, but maybe I can get something out of this guy. That I understand. But see, when you deal with like people in our sport, sometimes people in our sport just flat out don't make sense. So I really, I really don't know what to make out of this. I don't know how you would prove that you were the inspiration behind an idea. I mean, and even then, like if I just tell you, uh, George, hey, man, that's a cool hoodie. You should sell those. Like, I don't know that that makes me entitled to the George hoodie empire, right? I mean, I'm just saying shit. So I really don't know. But uh, if I had to guess, I think it's one of those things where, you, where you're just hoping you settle out of court. And when you're talking this large amount of money, um, you know, maybe maybe it's worth it. And who knows? Maybe even that turns into something where if you're Artem, you go... Man, I got a lot of dirt on Connor, and I know Connor wouldn't want me to be upset, so he might just end up doing it. I mean, like that sort of shit. Who knows, man? For two million, I think I'd rather still stay one of Connor McGregor's best buddies, honestly. Really? Then, then to just get two million? Yeah, I mean, if I get along with them, right? But if all of a sudden I need the money that bad that I got to fabricate something, then I guess thirty million's a a decent number. Oh. Uh, Maybe he has emails, texts, a contract right. would be nice, something that says I'm, I'm kind of a part of this. I had heard behind the scenes. It's been a while, so I can't, I probably have to say allegedly, but that uh, Adi Attar had also benefited from this. Like he was part of it, you know, and I'm happy for Adi Attar. I'm happy for Connor. Anybody that may have made money on this, great. Not hating on it at all. Uh, Adi's the guy that he's with his kids, man. Before Nadia slapped, slapped uh, Dylan like that. that's Adi Attar. A lot of you don't know that's Conor McGregor's manager with my kids. He, he didn't, 
he didn't want trouble. I think he saw the size of uh, Diaz's gang, and he only had a couple. So, um, but anyway, he's cool. Um, he's a SoCaler. Played football at UCLA for one season. Anyway, um, so yeah, if he doesn't have any of that, obviously he's not going to get anywhere. But goes here's the thing: using your um, thesis, uh, your hype hypothesis i guess if he was doing that you would think artem would have initiated the whole part of putting it in the public that this guy owes me over this he's not the one that did it connor's the one that did it that's what kind of lends leads me to believe maybe artem might be right because usually the dirty underhanded way is to kind of go start doing media putting it out there and you know seeing if seeing what can what what can come of this right um would you wait this long though to make that move like he sold out quite a while ago no two years ago something like maybe that? but he's maybe he's been trying for the last few years i don't know um maybe they've grown apart and those guys were homies dude. this is the guy that got physically or verbally assaulted at least i i barely remember but it was habib's gang that kind of cornered artem before UFC, what was it, 223 or something like that, in Brooklyn. And Connor and some of his guys from SBG hopped on a private jet, flew across the pond, and then did the incident where they attacked the bus. So think about how tight they must be for one guy to have the other guys back like that. And for that to just unravel and for them to be where they're at, I don't know. But Connor challenged them to a fight last night. Mm-hmm. I doubt it happened. And But he put out one of those audio texts that said, meet me at 1030 at SPG Concord. It was kind of funny. That's the one thing I'll give this guy is he's fucking entertaining. Sometimes he's a little twat, but for the most part, I find him really, really entertaining. Super, and, and he just kind of cracks me up with his Irish accent and his laugh, you know, <laughs> once he gets going. But, um, yeah, I, I imagine the fight did not happen, but there, there you have it, folks. That's kind of what's been happening between those two. Artem usually re- replies to me when I reach out and I plan on reaching out. I don't know if I'll have much, much success, but we usually actually talk in Spanish to, as well. When we're Maybe chatting. bring up uh bring bring up the World Cup, right? I mean, we spent some time in Argentina. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Ireland's not in it, and Russia is not in it. So yeah, I guess he might be rooting for Argentina at this point. But anyway, I thought I heard him possibly in some bare knuckle rumors again. Or see, I'm about to brush up on all this and go see what's going on with Artem, and then see if he wants to do a catch up or what. But Let's move on to the other thing. So Nate Diaz, I guess, is officially free from the UFC. So that little window or that exclusive re-sign period, all of it, all of it, boy, it's done. It's free and clear. Naked sign with to fight Jake Paul. Naked sign with Bellator. Naked sign with um, – it sounds like I'm saying naked sign, huh? Mm-hmm. Nate could sign with PFL. He is free and junkie posted something. So I commented and I said, man, about a year ago, I was really down to see this. 
Now, not so much. But you know how it is. Once the fight gets made and we get close, I want to see it. And I'm going to root for Team MMA. It's not that I dislike Jake Paul. It's just I'm Team MMA. So I posted something like that, right? And I'd say 50% of the people were like, yeah, yeah, you know, this is who I think might win. This is how they see the fight unfolding. But then I got a lot of people goes telling me, why do you clowns give this so much attention? He's not a good boxer. This isn't a real sport. Oh, my God. You know, and a bunch of other things. I'm usually one of the first to tell people, don't focus on the detractors, the haters, the trolls. Focus on the listeners, the fans, the friends who say positive things that are constructive towards the topic and engage with them. So I usually hit a like with them. I'll reply to them or whatever. So this is rare that I, that I actually do this. But in case there's anyone I can maybe get through, your thick fucking noggins out there. <laughs> try and troll me or whatever. Um, I kind of agree with you guys at times. There are some times where I'm like, eh, you know, why are we talking about this? But here's the reason. If you guys read it and you guys talk about it and you guys like it, share it, retweet this, that, whatever, we have analytics to tell us that. A lot of times we listen to the analytics and give you more of what you are consuming. It's kind of just a business decision. And I'm sorry, but Jake Paul clicks. He clicks because he's controversial. He clicks because he's winning. He clicks because he's making money. He's, you know, throwing blows against Dana White. He throws blows against Conor McGregor, against others in our sport. He fights people that were in our sport. How is that so hard to understand? And so, you know, if we were putting stories out and they weren't clicking, guess what we wouldn't be writing about or reporting? Jake Paul. But he does. Dylan Dan is somehow not as big as Jake Paul, but, you know, he'll still give you some traction when he does his silly Silly stuff. And I don't think he's had a proper fight in over three years, if I'm not mistaken. In MMA, he's only 2-0. and But yet, he gets involved in some scuffles. We write about it, and it, you know, it clicks. So what, what would you like us to do, man? Just because you're not into it, but the next 99 are? Bro. You know, like, some of it's just simple math. Well, I just don't understand the argument of, um, I'll put it to you this way. We have direct TV and cable. That's a lot of fucking channels. And sometimes you'll leave it on a channel or Laura or Juliet or something, right? So when you turn on the TV, it's just playing. It's not playing what you were watching last night, but it's it's on the same channel. So it's playing something else. And I'll go, what the fuck is this? You know, whatever this movie is that, that's on now or whatever. <laughs> Guess what I do? I don't call direct TV and go, what are you bozos doing showing this movie? I just change the channel. That's what I don't understand is why these people constantly do this argument. Just don't click the fucking story. What do you care? Yeah, that's what I would think. Keep scrolling, scroll to the next thing, but they go out of their way and, and say stuff. And it probably is to incite the person, but I realized that. So you didn't troll me. I realize what's happening. I'm just doing this for the benefit of someone that might just be kind of dumb or new or just didn't understand it. Somebody that might go, oh, I get it. All right. Well, if it's happening, it's happening, you know, and 
mm-hmm. and that's that. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happens, man. We listen to our audience, and if it's clicking, that means people want to consume it, then then we'll do it. Um, but I, I sometimes I hear that about bare knuckle. But you know, I man, I love junkie. I'll always go. I'll always go to bat for junkie. I know we're not force feeding it either. Again, Jake Paul fought Ben Askren, Tyron Woodley, Anderson Silva. He has Twitter wars or whatever with McGregor, with um, Masvidal, Dana White. That those are big figures in our sport. It's it it's gonna happen, you know. And like that's just part of the news cycle of of mixed martial arts. In fact, here's one. So you heard about the controversy with Mexico versus Argentina. It looks like one of the Mexican players traded jerseys with Lionel Lionel Messi. And there's a camera in the Argentine dressing room that shows them celebrating. The problem is the Mexican jerseys on the ground. And as Lionel Messi's removing his cleat, it looks like he kind of kicks the jersey and maybe even stomps on it. Well, Canelo had a meltdown on Sunday night, I believe. And so he was threatening Messi, and then people were attacking him, like, ah, come on, you're blowing this out of proportion. Nah, Mexican pride and this and that and whatever. So it was a big deal. You know, our mom listens to a lot of the news in Spanish, and didn't matter what channel, what time, they were talking about it. So I kind of, of course, listened to the different angles, saw the different uh, videos and pics, examined it myself. For one, Messi doesn't even strike me as that type. Two, after watching it, it just looks like he's really just taking off his cleat. Three, if someone hands me a sweaty jersey, I don't think it's out of line to be on the ground. I mean, people were making it sound like he was doing one of those Mexican hat dances on the jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, I guess it wouldn't be, a, I guess the tango, the Argentine tango or something with another player, you know, on the jersey. He didn't do all that, but it was news. And somehow I see it wind up on junk. I'm like, why? What the fuck's the spin here? Like, a boxer? Okay, combat sports, World Cup. Yeah, it is a phenomenon. But Danny Segura, shout out to that dude, man. He actually connected with six Argentine fighters of MMA to get their thoughts on it. And at that point, when that connection's made, goes all all the gloves are off, all bets are off. We're within our rights to report it and have some fun with it. And in fact, some of this is called blue corner, the blue corner stuff, where things are more lighthearted and fun. Here's Max Holloway dressing up you know, with his kids on Halloween. Here's Ben Rothwell carving a turkey on Thanksgiving. All that stuff, man. That stuff's cool. Fuck off to all those people that hate anything that doesn't have to do with an actual MMA fight. Seriously, fuck off. <laughs> did you see Canelo apologize, by the way? He did. He, he said, I had a bad day. We all have bad days. This was mine. I'm dumb. I apologize. And, uh, you know, we, we move on, right? Yeah, so this, I know we're a little off topic here, but I, I had this conversation earlier today. Uh, my girlfriend works with the guy that's from Croatia, and he kind of had like somewhat of a like a rude comment, and a, like something along the lines of like, well, your team kind of sucked, and that's why now they're out, or so, something like that, right? And, and so... Um, well, what's that got to do with the jersey, though? Well, what I'm trying to explain is the passion that mm-hmm. that happens. Like, 
So we all, we're all passionate about our teams, right? You're passionate about the 49ers, the Lakers, all that. And so she was kind of confused because she was like, well, I don't know. Because she goes, in Mexico, we do kind of come at each other when your team sucks or whatever we, we tell you. She goes, over here, it seems like people are a little bit more chill. But the thing about the World Cup is, is it's not like, like I would make fun of George if his team got routed on Sunday. I might go, man, I thought your team was good or something, right? But there's a difference between doing it that in week 12 and maybe at the end of the Super Bowl going, ha ha, right? Like, I'm not going to do that. All right. That's like your lowest moment possible, the Super Bowl. Now, think about if the Super Bowl was only four years and your team just happened to be in this situation, you're going to take that pretty bad. You know what I mean? So like when World Cup comes around, man, people wait four years for this fucking thing, dude. And so something that you're already passionate about. And on top of that, to this level, I could see why somebody would lose their cool. But props to Canelo for actually apologizing and realizing he was being a doofus. Um, but yeah, man, you you will see some crazy shit at World Cups. I mean, you know, players have died over this stuff. So yeah. uh, it's it's just it's kind of a little different, man. It, it really is. I'm I'm already disliking this guy that told her your team sucks. It, he played yeah. her. Well, that's what she doesn't know. And so she's like, and see, the thing about Croatia is they're first place in their group, but they play Belgium tomorrow. And if they lose that game, and I can't remember the other team in the group, but they're playing Canada, which, sorry, Mike Bond and Ariel Hawani, they should get a W there. Croatia could actually go from being in first to not qualifying to the next round. Mm. So I told her, I go, you should wait and see what happens there and then clown him back. And if he takes it, then you know that that's just kind of how he rolls. But if he if he goes, hey, what are you doing or whatever, then you know maybe he he's just an asshole. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Well, Mexico hadn't scored a goal in their first two games. They finally scored one, two actually today. And with Argentina beating Poland by two and Mexico beating their opponent by two, they had kind of leveled up on the goal differential, which is one of the tiebreakers. Except they were like on the third or fourth tiebreaker, and the like the fourth tiebreaker was yellow cards and red cards, kind of like fair play. Well, they're both have the same amount of points, score the same amount of goals, they happen to tie each other. It's almost like the coin flip. So in this case, FIFA, the Federation International of Football Associations, said, um, well, who's just been the better sports, the cleaner team? And I guess Mexico had more yellow cards and red cards. So that's how they wouldn't have qualified if Saudi Arabia had not scored. They would have gone down to the one of the last tiebreakers and Poland would have advanced anyway. So they still needed either a third goal or for Argentina to score a third goal. And by the way, Lionel Messi missed a penalty, dude. Yeah. So Mexico was close. They were close. Because think about it. If Argentina had three and Mexico had two, they wouldn't be chasing the goal they would probably bring in reinforcements for the defense and just hope that Saudi Arabia doesn't score. Now, that doesn't mean Saudi Arabia might not score, but it does change the complexion of the game. But anyway, we digress from all that. USA advance, that's good. Were you about to say something? Well, I was just about to say that I don't know what what tiebreaker that was when they got to the cards. Mm-hmm. It's a dumb tiebreaker. I would think 
why not go back to like qualifying? Who scored the most goals in qualifying? Who had the most points in qualifying or something like I'd rather lose to that than who had the most fucking yellow cards and red cards. Like that to me seems kind of dumb. I think what they're choosing to do is just something within that happened during the tournament, not while you know, in the last over because qualifying starts like two years ago. Mm-hmm. That's all I can think of. But you're right. I or either that or the coin flip. I don't know. Because at least that way you would at least go, yeah, man, that team was just better than us in qualifying. I get. I mean, that's better to stomach than think we just have more cards than them. Like, I don't know. Well, what about if they were to go back to the last time they played? Yeah, that even that friendly meant something. Even that. You know? um, so you always try and win your friendlies, which I think most teams do, but sometimes you don't always call your best players and. Uh, all right, look, Aspen Land's coming up, but this will give me a quick chance to update you on a few things. As you know, Goes and I do this podcast Mondays and Thursdays. That's ex- exactly when it drops. Many times we do it the night before. So thank you, as always, for subscribing to however it is that you get this through Omni Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever it is, or just coming to the site and grabbing it. We appreciate your support. We also are really excited about going live on Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for Spinning Backlick. Used to be pre-recorded, released on Tuesday. Now it's live, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, here on the site, here on MMA Junkie. Check it out uh, or just go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. Hit the subscribe button. And uh, you'll see us. We've been doing like two months now of doing it live, and it's a ton of fun. And the reason I'm reinforcing this is because there's so many people that go, just like the old days, live. I love it. So I'm seeing those types of comments from people. And we have a cool chat room that you can be a part of. So any of you that kind of remember the old days, this is kind of as close as we're getting for now. But I think you'll really, really like it. So check out Spinning Back Lake Mondays. At noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Live. One last thing. We have a watch-along coming up on December 10th for UFC 282. It's now headlined by uh, Magomed Ankalaev versus Jan Blahovich for the UFC's vacant light heavyweight title. Yuri Prakasha has vacated it be- uh, because of an injury, and Glover Teixeira, who was supposed to fight Yuri Prochaska, elected not to fight either of the other two. Well, actually, to be fair, I just didn't want to get into it. He was willing to fight Jan Blachowicz. It's just that the UFC wanted him to fight Magomed Ankalaev. He was willing to fight Magomed Ankalaev, but next month in Brazil or January in Brazil, UFC didn't want that. So uh, look for an interview from our Mike Bond with Glover Teixeira here on MMA Junkie. Should be dropping soon. We'll get the latest from him. I'm sure he's probably thought that move over and over, you know. Mm-hmm. But... um the pay-per-view goes on and we'll be there and hopefully some friends will join us on saturday december 10th for usc 282 our watch along just like we always do it all right talk to aspen lab going on junkie nation gorgeous george and goes are back with another mma superstar today we get to talk to aspen lad who just got a big win at pfl 10 2022 championships where she defeated julia bud via a decision 
congratulations, Aspen, on that huge win on your debut at PFL. Thank you. How are you feeling now a few days later? You've probably had a chance to watch the fight, and uh, is it becoming even more satisfying every time you watch it and every time, you know, I'm sure you run into people that, that, that have watched the fight? Oh, no, I'm the complete opposite of that. I, I tend to hyper-focus on things I did wrong, and there's a, some things I did right and a lot of things I can improve on. What would you share that you uh, could improve on? I never – so even – it's kind of hard to describe, but like during sparring or during like um, some fights, you'll reach like, um, for lack of better terms, like a flow state. And I never got there with this fight. And uh, it was more, I don't know. It, I was there, but I could do a whole lot better when I get to that point, but never reached it. But it was still a good fight. You know, uh, I looked at MMA decisions just to see how this was playing out. Two of the judges already had you up to nothing going yeah. into the third round. What if they had open scoring in a fight like that? Not that you ever go in cruise control or anything, but I'm just wondering, I'm, I'm starting to ask more fighters. How do you think you would have reacted if you looked up or if the coach told you, Hey, look, you're up to nothing. You know, like, does that change the game plan? Like just stay away from her heavy artillery or, or making a fatal mistake. No, I'll still go out in the third and try to finish it. But even if you have open scoring, it doesn't mean they're scoring it appropriately. So I have a teammate, Autumn Norton. She was fighting Invicta. Beat the crap out of this girl for the whole first round. And, like, dropped her a couple times. And then on the scorecard, she was down around. It's like, how does that happen? So just because you have open scoring, it doesn't necessarily mean all that much. Well, but the open scoring told her she was losing or she was winning? Oh, yeah, no, it told her she was down around, even though she, even had though she was the one pummeling. the crap out of the girl. Wow. So, yeah, I think it's valuable to have, but yeah. it's still pe like people that don't necessarily make the right decisions are making those decisions. Mm -hmm. Tell me the name of that fight again. I want to look it up and see. Uh, I want to check that one out. It was Autumn Norton. Autumn Norton's last oh. one in Evicta. So watch it and then see. You tell me if you think she lost that first round. It's not possible. Okay. I like to take my medicine when I have to take it, and I like to do it in front of the fighters. I actually, in my staff picks, took Julia Budd. I've, <gasps> I've pretty much ridden with Aspen Ladd my whole entire, you know, seeing you all the way since Tough Enough. But I thought, you know what? Okay, I got to be an honest journalist. She is a former champion, and she's been at that weight for a while. And also, Aspen Ladd just seems to be going through a lot. Like, this is a really quick turnaround from – everything that happened in the UFC. You proved me wrong, obviously, so I'm here to take my medicine. You were really, really tough here and here. Um, and then you kind of even shared with us, like, this has been a difficult period for you. I mean, yeah, you got yourself into a, an organization that wants you and you want to be with them. Apparently, the money's great. We talked to your coach and all that. So, you know, good for you there. But can you talk about just that this last uh, six months of 2022, what that's been like? It, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. It's been a lot of uh, personal and professional awful things. But after this last, uh, basically the falling out with the USC and deciding that it's time to do something different, since that point, everything has been better. Every single thing has been positive. And it's really just everything happens for a reason. And 
I don't know if I always believed that, but in this situation, it ended up being completely true. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, fans and MMA have, oh, sorry, fans and MMA media have curiosity. And I don't always think it's because they're nosy. Now, sometimes it is because they're nosy. We're nosy, whatever. But I think a lot of fans and MMA media, especially fans, like to identify with the athletes. We all go through struggles, right? What is there anything you can open up with us, open up to us and to the audience about, you know, the, the personal side, your health? I think you mentioned something about your hair. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, what, 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 if any, you know, and if not, then we move on to the next question. But I thought I'd ask. Well, I'll just say I have an autoimmune, we'll leave it at thing. And I won't identify it more than that, but it's dealing with that and everything else. It's been, I felt awful, physically awful, mentally awful, hair falling out like it was bad. And obviously, since getting healthier, no longer doing drastic, horrible things to my body, I have no longer having any kind of flare-ups but dealing with that when you're a professional athlete anything along those lines is very very hard and it's very hard to ask what we do of our bodies when you're also your body's fighting itself but yeah well i don't want to elaborate much more into what it is but that's that's me well the good news is it sounds like the comeback towards you being 100 percent healthy is, is it's on its way very much so and yeah, no, I'm feeling better than I have in years. I feel great. And one last thing, and this is, I think, a good thing, Aspen. So it, it could it, it could have been tying tied into stress, the weight cut stuff. Is that what you're kind of? I'm connecting dots. I don't know, but if so, oh, yeah. then 45 is even looking like a more brilliant move than ever. Yeah, no, it's it's for my health for more than one reason, and I feel great. Like every fight that I've ever had, for the most part, I'm just trying to recover enough to fight this is the first time I've actually enjoyed a fight week and I didn't have that process. It's like, I cut like three and a half, four pounds of water, but I drank three and a half, four pounds of water that day. It's like, and I was not hurting. It was fine. I was normal. So it's like, that's a new experience for me and being able to just feel good during the process and enjoy it for once. It's like, wow, this is awesome. We're happy to hear that. Aspen, I wanted to ask you kind of what you just brought up was fight week. Um, you know, everybody's been at a new job and things go a little different, even if you're doing the same thing for a different company, but what was fight week like for you? You know, new people that you're talking to new venue fans, all that stuff. What was, uh, your emotions as you were walking down that stage? Did it feel any different or is a fight just a fight? It's, it was definitely different in the process. So it's all the same stuff. Um, UFC, PFL, even Invicta before that. They all require the same stuff fight week, the same, like you got media, you have obligations, things you have to do and they all require it. But I will say like with the PFL is much more relaxed. Like, sure, I had to do it, but everybody's very chill about it. It wasn't militant and like a fun one was because I'm so like brainwashed with like the, the branding stuff with the UFC. Like you cannot do this at a certain time. You can't wear this. They will literally, before you got to Wednesday, like check your underwear to make sure you're not wearing the wrong brand. So oh, I, I was like, like asking people all the time, I was like, hey, is this, is this okay? It's like, I'm not going to like get fined for this. So there's certain things I need to get used to, but I like how they're more relaxed with their process. And Aspen, so as we're sitting there watching the pay-per-view, um, I was hoping you could give me your thoughts on the main event, because in a way, yeah. it has something to do with you, right? So mm-hmm. um, can you tell us what you thought of the fight and what the outcome does for you? 
Yeah, no, I thought it was a uh, really great competitive fight. Um, I definitely thought Rissa won. And by the time that it got to the end of it, I was, as somebody watching in a fighter that I, I know better than a lot of people, but I'm still not, I'm not a judge, even though some judges shouldn't be judges. But I definitely thought she'd won that fight. It's an interesting situation, though, because it's not like they've only fought like once or twice. It's, if they rematch, it's going to be their fourth time. And in this situation, a rematch is usually what makes sense. And yeah, it definitely has implications for me, but not in a tournament format. Could I fight either one of those women outside of a tournament? Yes. And I would gladly do it. But obviously the world at large thought Kayla was going to win. So now it's really, what does Larissa want to do? What does the PFL want to do? Do they want that rematch? Do they want to do like super fight type situations? I don't know. So yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely see on that one. It shook things up and it's pretty interesting. Do you want to do the regular season and playoffs personally over select fights that may involve Larissa or Kayla? I want to do both. So um, if something was to occur before the season or after the season or whatever, we'll see. I would love to do that. But I am definitely planning on going into the season right now. Yeah, because I think the season is, you know, one thing that's really cool about it is, I mean, I know it's grueling. It's taxing, right? Mm -hmm. But you get paid every time you fight, you know, and obviously with your injury that you had yeah, uh, and a lot of time in between fights, this would be a good chance for you to um, make some money, you know, and yeah. and kind of like almost plant a flag like, hey, I'm, I'm maybe one of the big three or one of the big four. If we want to include Julia or whoever else they might sign. Yeah. No, I'm definitely curious. I, I bet some of their 55ers will drop because they are 45ers. Um, but they're also going to be signing chicks. And with the what's going on in the UFC right now, like we were saying, it, they're getting rid of that weight class. So you're going to have 45ers trying to make 35. They're going to miss. And then the UFC is either going to decide to cut them or they're going to decide to go find something else. So there's going to be a lot of big women on the market. And we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I wouldn't say big women. I, I think you're all outstanding <laughs> females, regardless of the weight class, incredible athletes. Um, what what have you heard about 45 and 55 over at PFL? Are they going to have a regular season for both, or what, what What can you share? The only one I can confirm is the 45. I, I don't know what they're going to do with 55, and uh, that could have changed based on this last weekend. Like, that's – I have no idea. I just know 45. Do you know if Kayla and Larissa will be joining you? I highly doubt it. And like Larissa just did an interview. Um, I think it was with Ariel. My coach was telling me about it where she's like, nah, this is my weight class. This is my body. I'm good at 55. And could she still drop? Sure. But I think right now, especially holding the belt at that, it's uh, a little bit of a different situation for her. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Well, I, I love seeing the dogs. I was actually going to bring up the dogs because I saw your gram, the, uh, the, the, the homecoming you got when you walked through that door with all three dogs was amazing. I believe this one was the most excited, right? What, what's this one's name? Uh, this is Kylo Ren. It's my boy. Yeah. This is the one that was jumping the most, right? Yep. So the Husky and him, they're mine and the other, hi baby, the full shepherd. That's my brother's, but I'm the coolest aunt in the world. So he loves me. Now, all three go hiking with you. So my two always do. And then Shaler, um, I don't know if do you know Shaler. No. So he he's like my uh, he's my giant little brother. He's five and oh as an Ami right now, but okay. we get together at least once a week to go hiking or running with our dogs. 
So yeah. when he's with me, his dog is with me. But the rest of the time is me and my two. It, just on a complete different pivot, when Kylo Ren was greeting you, do, are those playful bites or do, do they kind of hurt? Because he was getting really excited. You no, know, he's just, it's basically just like holding your hand. Like there's no force behind it. It's just him flipping out. It's like, oh, look at me. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That, was, that's just him. It was awesome. Um, yeah. That 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 was one heck of a of a homecoming. <laughs> God, look how he's chilling. He's chilling doing the interview with us. That's yeah, no, awesome. This is his life. Like, oh my God! Like, like he had actually just plopped up on the couch. What's going on? What are you guys talking? Did it, did I hear my name? <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much. Because it's like I'm on the go twenty four seven. So if I was to just like leave my dogs home all day, they'd have a terrible life. They go yeah. everywhere I go for the most part. Between training, we'll go hike and run. And if I got a warm up for training with running, he goes with me. Like it's a good life. Goes, look at his tongue. Yeah, I know. That's so funny right now. Oh my god. Um, and, and you said you just got back from practice, so you guys aren't you haven't done the hike yet, right? Because it's a daily hike, right? Yes, daily hike, daily run. We ran last night with Shay and my brother. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm coming back from training. And after I get off the phone with you and I think, like, the next two or three dudes, I'm going to go for a hike. Is it still 10, 12 miles, or are you starting to, like, taper down a little bit? Oh, no, no, no. So I only taper down when it's getting close to a fight. We'll drop to, like, 50 miles a week. But when I'm not training, like, four or five, or not four or five, but I usually t train two to three times a day getting ready for a fight. If I'm only training once a day, mileage goes up. Mm. Uh, here come the silly questions. Any bear sightings lately or any close, uh, does the compass ever not work? And you're like, where am I? You know, any close calls? No. Um, a neat one was, it was at towards the end of summer, I actually found three lost people like out in a desolation wilderness and it was late. So I was on a, and during the summer, it doesn't get dark to like nine. And I want to see the sunset from a mountaintop. And I was up there, which means I was coming back home at, it was 12 at night. And these people were out in the middle of nowhere, just lost and crying and shit. So you find interesting things. And as far as bears go, I haven't seen one in a while. Haven't seen a cougar in a while. So yeah, we're doing pretty good as far as the large animal spotting. That's crazy. Um, finish that story though. So did you assist them in finding their way back, the, the, the group? Yeah. So I was coming down. It was... So the mountain I was on is still 10 miles back to the car after sunset. So I had my headlamp out on my gear and I know where I was. I was going back and I just see like these three lights, like way off to the side, like they shouldn't be out there. And I didn't have my headlamp or anything on at the time, but I turned it on and then they started like coming towards me like a beeline. It's like, all right, this is going to get interesting. And uh, they're, they're just shaking their head. No, no, we're not okay. It's like, well, where are you, where are you trying to go or where are you coming from? And the place they told me was like 10 miles away in the other direction. It's like, do you need help getting back to your car? And like, yes, yes, we do. So I basically just let them out for the last six miles. And then they got in their car and they were okay. But they were very stressed out. Wow. What ages kind of? They were young adults, like early 20s. There was two men and a woman. Woman. N not speaking English. And like like they, yeah. they were just foreigners hiking in Cali or something like that? Yeah. The people, the people got safe. They, they were safe, and, and the story ended in a good, in a good way, right? Yeah, no, the, we all got to the car. And they, they were fine, but yeah, no, it was just a weird. Yeah, that area. There's nobody. It was 12 at night. It was desolation, wilderness, and it's like if you're, you're either out there, you know exactly what you're doing, or you've done fucked up. And they were of that group. 
Ask, but let me ask you something. If that ever happened to, to me, what do you do if you're lost? Do you just stay put or do you keep walking? Like, I don't know if you're exhausting your own gas tank at that point, you know? So always tell somebody where you're going, period. So you have a backup and regardless. And don't, if you get lost, just sit your ass there and wait. Because that's a lot of the issue people have. They start wandering and then people, they, 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 get, they won't, won't get found. So yeah, make sure you've told somebody where you're going. That will check for you after a certain time period. And if you start getting lost, stay where you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, you're very reserved, professional, humble. But I did see that comment about, you, you know, you're comparing your resumes to Larissa's and Kayla's. What made you say that? I, I looked at both ladies and I thought Larissa's fought formidable opponents. Um, Kayla as well, but Kayla's is more PFL oriented, whereas Larissa's had a mix of some of the talent in UFC and, and even Irene Aldana in some show in Brazil or something like that. But uh, what was that just you kind of like, you know, pushing buttons a little or? A little bit, a little bit. But yeah, no, they've fought, they've had good fights, but as far as uh, the competition level, I know who I fought and I know how I've done against certain people. And uh, yeah, it was, I think it was, I forget what the question they asked leading up to it. I really do. It was a, it was a hot moment. But yeah, a little bit, just push buttons a little bit. Like basically, I think they're asking you wanted this fight or how do you think you match up in this fight kind of thing is like, well, let's, let's do it and find out. Yeah. All right. Well, we don't want the phone to overheat. I know you got more media to do. And uh, I, I guess I got out of here unscathed. I thought for sure you were going to call me a big old dummy for not taking you in our staff picks. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I just make... like, you know, I thought about it as like, what a traitor, but you know, it's okay. I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> hey, have, a nice this day. <laughs> have a nice day, both of you. And um, thank you so much for doing the interview. Congrats on everything. I'm glad everything's turning around professional wise, personal wise. That's awesome. And I hope you have a happy holiday season. Thank you for having me on. I'll talk to you again soon, and we'll see if you choose to bet against me again, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you, Aspen. Bye. What's the dog's name again? Kylo Ren? Kylo Ren. It's a character from Star Wars. Oh. That had to be one of the coolest dogs I've ever seen do a cameo (laughs) uh, on an interview for as long as he did it and the, the things he was doing. He really looked like he was just uh, chilling, part of it. And if you see the video highlights, you'll get a kick out of it. If you want to see the full interview with video, again, another reminder, you know, I'm guiding you towards our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. You, just seeing the dog alone will make you, laugh, make you laugh your ass off. Yeah, it was a funny dog. I like at the end where he's just, Pretty much chilling, like almost just waiting for us to ask him a question. Or he her, really, right? I think she said her. He really liked it. Was it a dog? I think it was a I think it was a boy. Was it? Well, Kylo runs a guy, so I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, it really looked like his paw was almost resting on the seat, like or on the middle console. It was funny, man. It was hilarious. Um and she was in good spirits, and I'm <laughs> glad she didn't bury me because I came clean with you know not taking her against Julia Budd, but uh, she's in good sprints. It looks like things worked out for her, man. Do you know what Yogi did today? What? Yogi's our Jack Russell Terrier, if you guys don't know. He's a little over a year old. He came running full speed into my room, jumped up on the bed, but he didn't make it. He hit hit the edge of the bed, 
and was holding on like his front paws, but he kind of just slipped away like a cartoon character, dude. Like just little by little, and just fell. I was laughing my ass off, dude. It almost looked like them gymnasts when they run and they do the pummel thing or whatever, you know, and they flip over it. Except they just hit it. He hit it. Oh. He just hit it straight on. I was going to compare it to a baseball player running into the wall. <laughs> a little. Yeah. But he was just kind of hanging there like gymnast thing. That, that, the gymnast thing's horrific. Yeah. Oh. It seemed <laughs> like it happened like three times in two years, and then I guess they fixed the problem or something. I don't know. Anyway, thanks to Aspen and her team for the time. And again, congrats on that big win over Julia Budd and her clarifying that 45 is having, you know, a season. Cool. But Pacheco's not a part of it. Mm, I don't know. I kind of, yeah, I wanted her and Harrison to be a part of it. But Harrison had already stated, nah, I'm just going to do single fights. And I see her point goes. I really do. Because Harrison has been in three seasons now where she fights like a lot. It's a busy year, man. Mm -hmm. Fighting four times and so close together that those are some very, very vicious weight cuts for a lot of people. So I, I kind of get that now you, you kind of have to pull back one season. It seems like what she, what she said though, you know, what she preferences it. She said that this was all the plan going in, but everybody expected Kayla to win. Now that Larissa's won, it could very well be that all those plans are just out the window and they, they have to readjust, right? So who knows what happens? You know, she was pretty honest. How are they not going to want to run that one back? And if they were planning on doing two pay-per-views, I don't think they're going to make us wait all the way till next November to run it back. And it, if you listen to some lad interviews or some social media posts, it's burning her. It's burning her up. So I could see them, if they wanted to do two pay-per-views, doing one like in May and one in November. And the one in May would probably be the rematch of Pacheco versus Kayla. And they don't have to have other title fights. That's the fight right there. That's the fight that can sell. You still want to put some top talent there, obviously, mm -hmm. um, you know, to spruce it up. But, uh, you know, I could see them doing that. But... The thing is, is what are these two girls just going to kind of trade the belt? Like, are you now declaring 55 is just a division with no regular season and million dollar format? Okay. But I think a lot of the fighters are drawn to you because they can become millionaires. So, you know, things go well. So do they just kind of want to hang around and take fights? Maybe some fighters just need a paycheck and they might do it. Who knows? But um, part of me, part of the draw for me to PFL is the million dollars. I think you you mentioned this on spinning back click too. Yeah, that's that's because uh, otherwise, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a scrap. You're gonna watch, but you kind of have to be vested in it some way, right? Like, what does this mean? Who does he fight next? What does this do in the rankings? But in this particular case, like, if you take out the million dollar prize, it's, it's just two people scrapping, really. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. This weekend, we got Stephen Thompson and Kevin Holland. Holland is saying. Holland's a little upset. He's not a big fan of people taking shortcuts. And he is threatening to retire again. If he finds out Shemaev somehow gets a title shot above him. Or above anyone else that that is more worthy. He, he understands the popularity contest of it all a little bit, but it doesn't mean he likes it. 
that was kind of his big thing, you know. And I think I think a lot of us stand with Kevin Holland there. But is it realistic? And is taking that stand really like is that the hill you want to die on? I don't know. Like while you're young and you can fight especially if you love it as much as Kevin Holland and you're as good at it as him, you might just want to do you dog. <laughs> That's all I can say, you know, like if they give it to Shemayev, then they give it to Shemayev, you know, maybe do something, win, win a few fights and go fight Shemayev, I suppose. Who knows? But um, I don't know. I don't think you retire over that. No, because do you dog? is basically what most MMA fighters do. That's why there is no union, right? Because um, you can take a stance like that, but the only person you're going to hurt is you. You know, in other sports where there's guaranteed money and all that, you might get some people that have your back and and together you create a stir. But when you're not going to make a paycheck in making your stance, um, that's probably not the smartest thing to do. Yeah. He said, I can just play games, smoke weed for the rest of my life. And I'm like, uh, I know it sounds fun, but the money ain't going to last forever. And you're going to mature. You're going to grow out of that phase. And now what? You know, so I think while you can stack some six figure, seven figure checks, if you get to that level, do it and then create a business for your future, you know, and um. It can be about video games or it can be a marijuana business or it can be an M- something involving MMA. I don't know, but that's just my advice to the trailblazer. Like, you know, this whole retiring, retiring it's, not, it's not that no one doesn't think what you're saying is not right. I think a lot of us agree about the shortcut stuff, but I don't think that's the reason why you should retire. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this said goes... I don't know if this is the guy that can beat Steven Thompson. I'll tell you why. Because what I've seen out of Trailblazer is when things don't go his way, he tends to fall back on talking to his opponent and acting like, well, I'm just going to entertain and, you know, and not the focus kind of goes away. I think he needs to pressure Steven Thompson, maybe even use his ground game, you know, Hopefully he's worked on some wrestling, get the fight to the ground or whatever, and hope they're in that smaller octagon, by the way. I don't know which octagon they're going to use, but you got to stay patient. It's not going to be easy. There's fa- The fans may boo. Thompson's very defensive. He's hard to hit. Um, if you're waiting for him to crack on you so that you can counter, you're going to wait for a long time because that's basically what he's doing, and he does not mind doing it. So this is a really, really tough task. But what I don't want him to do is to get caught up in this whole, like, Hey, I'm here to fight. He's not talking, talking, talking. 10 9. Hey, he's here. You know, he's dancing. He's not here to fight. Talking, talking, talking. 10 9. You know, and then guess what? Stephen Thompson gets his win. And that Stephen Thompson, man, he he outfoxes a lot of people. So it, it's not easy to beat him. And the best way to do it is putting him on his ass, like, you know, like a few others have, or just trying to outpatient him. Tyron Woodley was able to do it in a way where. He knew Steven had to come to him to get the title, mm-hmm. you know, so he was able to be a chess master just like him. But what do you think about this main event? I took Thompson because the first thing that popped in my head was how many fighters have been frustrated by Steven Thompson. And the second thing that popped in my head is how easily frustrated Kevin Holland can be in fights. 
So to me, it was just one plus one equals two. I'd watch the Bilal Muhammad fight, honestly. Um, Bilal's had some tough fights, man, because he had to be patient to beat Damian Maya, and he had to be patient to beat Stephen Thompson, two completely different style of fighters. And so that's why when he got the win this past, well, last month in Abu Dhabi, he got the finish and all. You saw him going nuts. Mm-hmm. You know That was a huge, huge win for him. But in the co-main event, we have – oh, I lost it here. Sorry. Give me one second. Um, Brian Barbarina versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos said today he's kind of done with 55 unless there's some sort of a huge call out. That gets his tail wagging, but he's probably done with 55. He just likes fighting people at 70. It's an easier weight cut. He's older. He realizes he's kind of out of the mix. But, um, you know, he says he could be lured back. But what are your thoughts here? I ended up going with Dos Anjos in this fight. Um, I like him in a lot of fights just because he's such a well-rounded fighter. But the things that Barbarina excels at, like he can just kind of grind out victories. Like no matter what it is you bring to a table, he just gets nasty and not sloppy, but he could just get nasty in there. Um, but against a guy like RDA, he's a very patient fighter. He can hit you from all different angles. And when he wants, he could take you down. So I just feel like he might have more weapons in this fight. Uh, the only thing that he's fighting is his age. You know, he's slowed down a little bit. But I think uh, against Brian Barberina, I think it's going to be a real tough. This is why I like this card, is there are a lot of these types of fights where you just don't know how to call them. They're almost coin flips. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is one of those. I ended up going with RDA, though. Yeah, the rest of the main card, I'm going with RDA as well. I just think he's more well-rounded. And Brian Barberina doesn't appear to be the biggest welterweight. So I don't think he'll be able to expose that. I think RDA had a nice run when he moved up to welterweight, and then he kind of ran into a couple freight trains. Um, I like him better at 55, but I understand that the weight cut sucks, especially if you're not in title contention somehow. What's the point, right? But I do like Thompson. I do like RDA. Here's the rest of the main card. Matthias Nicolau versus Matt Chanel. These are really exciting flyweights. You're going to dig this fight. Taito Ivas against Sergey Pavlovich. These are really actually highly rated heavyweights. This isn't like number 32 against number 45. Like these are both top 10 guys. Um, whatever rankings you look at. So this one really could have a lot of implications going forward. No one's saying immediate. No, they get the winner of Benganu versus fill in the blank. No, nothing like that. But check this one out. Hermanson. Jack Hermanson is already back after he defeated, defeated Chris Curtis in October. He's fighting Roman Delice, Eric Anders, recent guest on MMA Junkie Radio. He has Kyle Dacus. But look at the prelims, goes. Um, Nico Price versus Philip Rowe. Angela Hill versus Emily Ducate. Clay, excuse me, Guida versus Scott Holtzman. Michael Johnson versus Mark Diakise. Darren Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. Tracy Cortez versus Amanda Hebus. Actually, that should be on the main card. Cortez mm-hmm. versus Hebus. They're both pretty popular. Um, yeah, man, like seriously, I really like this card. Cortez and Hebus is actually one of the fights I'm looking forward to the most on the entire card. Me too. Me too. Um, hold on, I'm just making a quick note here somewhere. I'm hoping to catch some of it live, some of it I won't be able to catch because I'm going to a playoff football game. But, um, 
I endorse this card. It, it, so it's one of the later ones. It starts at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, 4 the main card. So that means the prelims are probably going to start around 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, maybe even earlier because I left off three other fights, man. I think they're going like 15 deep on this one. Mm-hmm. It's a big card. Yeah. And by the way, shout out to Icon Fighting. That's uh, Jorge Masvidal's Fight League. They have a fight card, folks. If you're in the Orlando area and you want to really take in a lot of MMA this weekend, they have a fight card, Icon Fighting 6, I guess it's called. And it's in Orlando the night before. So you might want to check that out after you take in the weigh-ins. The weigh-ins are open to the public, by the way, at 4 local time. And I imagine that gives you a couple hours to get to the venue for Icon Fighting. And if you want to see some of the local talent in Florida, so there you have it. Somebody was asking me about stuff that's open to the public, and that the only thing I could find was the weigh-ins, 4 p.m. local time. I guess it's at the Amway Center or something like that. Let me see here. I want to give you the right. I want to send you the right place. It is dead silence. How about that? Here we go. Ceremonial weigh-ins at 4 p.m. at the Amway Center which will be open to the public. All right. We got to get on out of here. Thank you so much for your support, for tuning in, for spreading the the show, getting new listeners. A lot of you have done that for us. We appreciate it. Hope you have a nice weekend. Um, go USC. They're in the Pac-12 championship on Friday. Go Commanders. Go 49ers. Lakers seem to have won a couple in a row. That's pretty good. BGK. Modern day season's done. That sucks. I think it's called the Knights. They're one of the better teams out there. I think they got the second best record to Noli, Noli Kings, uh, Boston <laughs> Bruins. What else are we forgetting about? Baseball's done. Guess it's about it. Good luck to Goes and Juliet in the Eliminator. Who do you got this week, Goes? Can you reveal it yet or no? I'm honestly not not sure. Um, I think I might be a, I might be a Cleveland Brown fan. The biggest, um, the biggest favorite is Dallas, right? I think so. Have you taken them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're just gonna have to really, really uh, brace yourself for this weekend. Mm-hmm. You said it's tough. Yeah, it's a tough one. Okay. All right, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion.